Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. Intersectionality is a word that we've probably heard a lot more over the past few months. To be honest, I'd never heard of the term before June. Intersectionality was coined in 1989 by Kimberly Crenshaw, a lawyer, civil rights advocate, and professor, to describe how race, class, gender, and other individual characteristics intersect with one another and overlap. According to Ms. Crenshaw, intersectionality is about understanding the ways that multiple forms of inequality or disadvantage sometimes compound themselves and create obstacles that were not often understood within conventional ways of thinking about social justice, and in our case, environmentalism. Although the term is new to me, the idea behind it is why I created Sustainable Brown Girl. I think many other women of color within the sustainability space also understand the importance of intersectionality, and today's guest is no different. Lauren Ritchie is a 19-year-old Bahamas native, a Columbia University student, a climate activist, and the founder of the EcoGal blog. We'll be talking to Lauren about her sustainability journey, the reception of climate change in the Bahamas, and why recognizing intersectionality within climate activism is so important. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah so let's just jump right into it. And can you tell us about your sustainability journey and what led you to start the EcoGal blog? Sure. So I think my journey started probably in high school, I want to say, maybe even middle school. Um, but I think growing up in the Bahamas, I was always really interested in doing like, you know, beach cleanups or like anything that I could do to like protect my environment, I guess, because I think when you grow up on a small island, you are like, you know, in your environment a lot, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think I was always really, really interested in like loving my environment and also like wanting to protect it. So that really led me to like take more of an interest in like sustainability climate change it kind of reflected in the classes that I would take or that I enjoyed to be like geography or world studies or those type of things just to like learn more about the world around me and like how that would like impact my life on a small island um so yeah I think that's where I really really got started with that and I think um when it came to starting the eco gal it was supposed to be I guess it started out as a way for me to bring more sustainability to the Bahamas and like, especially like Bahamian youth, just because I could see that it wasn't really something that was very talked about here. So mm -hmm. when I came home from university for COVID, I was like, okay, I wanna build a platform for Bahamian young people, Caribbean young people to just learn more about like zero waste tips or learn more about like sustainable fashion and kind of like an educational platform about environmentalism and sustainability just to like make it more engaging or relatable um, so that people could be more, more involved. So I think that was my main 
purpose when I first got started. Yeah. So um, has it, has your vision for the eco gal shifted any since you've started? Cause I know you blew up a lot yeah. with, um, you know, black lives mm-hmm. matter, amplify black voices and stuff. So has, has it changed at all? Definitely. I mean, it's definitely, I don't want to say that it's changed in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, the vision to want to impact Bahamian youth and like Caribbean youth in terms of sustainability is still there. And I think it will always be there. Um, but I think it's expanded more so in, to being a larger educational platform in general, but also in terms of the mission to expand just from like what you typically think about with sustainability, which is like, you know, eco-friendly, zero waste, sustainable fashion, all of those things, but also expanding more into the social justice side of it that isn't really talked about within sustainability, but is like equally, um, if not more as important, just because social justice does reflect so much into like, how climate change does impact people and things like that. So I think creating a platform that not only educates on sustainability issues, but is also a platform that like engages with, you know, people of color and like lets them know that this movement is also for them by talking about like, you know, black issues, indigenous issues, um, all of those things and how those can like wrap in to like social and environmental sustainability it's kind of what the platform has become now. And I'm really grateful for it, honestly, just because yeah. I feel like those platforms aren't as common, I would say. Even like mm-hmm. when I was first getting started with like the Eco Gal, it was there were barely any pages that I could find that were like talking about like, you know, what sustainability looks like for people of color. So I think right. I'm I'm grateful that this kind of gives representation to the sustainability movement, which yeah. is I think very much needed I think definitely yeah for sure so you mentioned that one of the things that uh, made you get interested in sustainability was like doing uh, beach cleanups and stuff so you live in the Bahamas Mm -hmm. and you know we hear a lot about plastic in the ocean yeah how how much does is that really affected the Bahamas I think in terms of climate change I think what people do normally think of when they think of how climate change impacts small islands is typically like plastic in the oceans killing wildlife or mm-hmm. um, rising sea levels. And I think although those are issues that we face, obviously we do face like a lot of pollution and that does impact, you know, our marine ecosystems. I think one of the main impacts of climate change that especially on my island, Grand Bahama, we face um, is natural disasters. And I think even though mm-hmm per se, like climate change doesn't necessarily cause a natural disaster. It definitely makes them a lot stronger and it makes them a lot more frequent. So my island, Grand Bahama, has had two Category 5 hurricanes in the past three years, one in 2016 and one last year in 2019. So I think thinking about climate change and how that impacts like small islands, definitely thinking about like natural disasters is like a big deal and a big thing. so yeah, I, th- I think that's all the more reason why small islands need to be given a voice to like speak up on it. Because even though we don't really contribute very much in terms of like greenhouse gas emissions or like overall, you know, um, actions that are impacting the climate, we definitely get hit the hardest, even in terms of like the resources and infrastructure that we have to mitigate or adapt to climate um, changes. So yeah, I think all the more reason why growing up in the Bahamas, you're really like, okay, time to get like cracking and help to fix the planet because 
I, my island needs to be protected. Yeah, definitely. I know Hurricane Dorian yeah. was awful last oh, year. Terrible. So um, you mentioned that people or that you wanted to start the EcoGal to help get people more interested in the Bahamas mm-hmm. um, and climate change. What is the general consensus on climate change and like hurricanes and stuff mm-hmm. from people living in the Bahamas? Like, do they think that it's real or that's, you know, it's a real problem? How, how do most people feel about it? I think it's one of those things. I wouldn't say we're like climate skeptics in the sense that we're like, oh, climate change doesn't exist. It's not real. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. But it's more so just that it's not really a priority in terms of like, you know, all the other things that we have to worry about. Climate change really isn't up top on the list, whether that is how it should be or not. It's more so of a thing where, I don't know, I think there's a lot of other issues that people will place above climate change. And even before Dorian, I don't think people saw the connection between climate change and natural disasters, Mm -hmm. because I mean, you grow up on an island, you have a hurricane every hurricane season, but I think people didn't put two and two together to be like, wait, this is way more category five hurricanes than we're usually having. So I think now it's more of a thing where I'm seeing definitely the government community is being a lot more like, okay, let's let's talk about climate change. Let's work to fix it. Like um, at the beginning of 2020, the government created a plastic ban, um, awesome. which was great, amazing, love to see it. Um, but yeah, definitely think there's more to be done. Um, but I think we're moving onto the right track of seeing it more. I think we definitely do need to do more in terms of like community engagement and involvement, also education as well, yeah. just because like I personally went to an international school so I did the IB program so I was very much exposed to like you know like climate on like a global scale and like being able to reflect that into my community but -hmm. my brother on the hand goes to you know a Bahamian school that doesn't really cover that curriculum as much so I think making that type of climate education a lot more widespread would be very beneficial so yeah that's my my overall um, view of that yeah, definitely. I like it. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about intersectionality within climate activism, mm-hmm. but can you tell us why you or why recognizing intersectionality within climate activism is important? Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's literally the most important thing when it comes to climate activism, just because, like I said earlier, I think thinking about how certain aspects of your identity or certain aspects of your circumstance impact like not only your access to like sustainability resources or you know how you view the climate crisis but also how it affects you and how you know climate change disproportionately impacts communities of color or thinking about environmental racism and how you know race can be one of the number one determining factors in the U.S. of whether or not you live next to toxic waste and there's so many other statistics like that that just show that social issues kind of reflect how the client like that shapes your view of the climate crisis or how you experiment experience it sorry but i think definitely in terms of intersectionality there's also so much more to it than just race which i think is something Mm -hmm. important to highlight there's also thinking about like socioeconomic status or even disabilities in terms of like the way that we speak about the climate crisis i think sometimes it can be very um, 
narrow in our view of like who the climate crisis or who let's say like sustainability as a movement or the green movement is actually for just because mm-hmm. I've seen so many, even like in my time with like the eco gal towards the beginning, a lot of like shaming of people for like certain, um, like not being able to afford anything other than fast fashion or still mm-hmm. using plastic straws because they're the only thing available. And I think with intersectionality, it's important to recognize that, you know, sustainability looks different depending on your community and what you have access to or what's like available or, you know, possible for you. So I think with intersectionality, it kind of breaks down some of that like stigma and judgmental attitude of that there's one way to be sustainable. And that's usually the, you know, glamorous, aesthetic, like cookie cutter type of sustainability that yeah. like is usually geared towards rich white women. But yeah. at the end of the day, I feel like sustainability, at least to me, what I think is important about sustainability is making the choices to help the planet or to help a community and its citizens whenever you have the chance to make that choice or Mm -hmm. whenever you have the ability to or in any way that you can. So I think Mm -hmm. with what's happening now with the movement towards making climate activism more intersectional, it's really good in terms of representation, I think, as well, just because I feel like if the climate green movement is only you know, focusing on one certain group of people and really neglecting everyone else. That's really harmful in terms of progressing the movement forward. But also like, again, the communities that are impacted the most need to be given a voice. They need to know that the movement's also for them. So I think all of that wraps up into, you know, why it's so important to make social justice and climate justice and put them together and kind of think about all the different ways that they intersect. Because there's so, so many ways that climate yes. change intersects with social justice. So all that's really yes. important. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of the reason why I started Sustainable Brown Girl too, mm-hmm. is because it, like you said, it's the movement seems to be geared towards rich white people, mm-hmm. right? White women to yeah. be specific. <laughs> and so to show other people who are doing things. And also, like you said, um, to do what you can, like you yeah. don't have to do every single thing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be zero waste, but if you do what you can, you know, and everyone's interested in different things. So it's yeah. like, you know, yeah, it's super important for, for that representation and intersectionality. Okay. Um, so you're a student at Columbia University mm-hmm. studying sustainable development and political science. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose that major? Yeah, I think for me, well, first of all, Columbia is one of the few schools that actually offers that major. So I think that's part of why Mm -hmm. I chose Columbia in general over other schools. But I think sustainable development, I think I always knew that what I wanted to do was more than just environmental science or that it was more than just like a, a major that would be focused on like the climate crisis or like saving the planet in terms of just the environment. And the thing that I love about sustainable development is that it's so broad in the sense that that intersectional environmentalism that we were talking about is covered within the major. Because the the thing about sustainable development is that it's not just about like environmental sustainability, but it's also like social sustainability and economic sustainability and political sustainability and all those different Mm -hmm. pillars that you find you know, within like different types of like action to help the planet. So I've been able to take classes like 
you know, fundamentals of global health or sociology wow. courses, or there's like a principles of economics class as well. I won't be taking that one because I'm really, really bad at math, but it's <laughs> offered like within the major. I took an international politics class. All of those wow. are like courses offered within this major to just make you, I feel like such a well-rounded citizen. I mean, it's my mm -hmm. major, so I'm going to have to hype it up, but I feel like <laughs> it's a great major just because I feel like I've learned so much in so many different areas, I think. And like I said, like having the social background kind of helps me when I'm thinking about a different area. So like the sociology course and now thinking about like sustainability in terms of the environment. Well, I'm like, well, these different aspects of our society are affecting these people. And then that's how that translates into how they're affected by the climate crisis. So I think it helps me to have a very well-rounded view of the world that I think is so, so important. And in terms yeah. of the political science aspect, I was considering doing a minor in environmental science, but then I was like, mm, probably not. But I decided <laughs> to do the minor in political science instead, just because I think, again, I've always kind of known that what I wanted to do was be more on like the international policy side of mm -hmm. the movement. So I think the whole you know, on the ground, you know, climate research probably wasn't for me in terms of like mm -hmm. a very hard science approach to the climate crisis, but more so like, you know, with like doing Model United Nations in high school or um, other like debate clubs and world studies things. I kind of wanted to be on the more, yeah, I guess like making the decisions to like help these areas or like enacting policy that will like do those things. I mean, whether or not that's with something like the UN or if it's, you know, an NGO or a nonprofit, I don't really know the specifics yet, but definitely yeah. that kind of like environmental law, environmental justice law, especially, or, you know, different things like that, I think is where I personally see myself fitting into the movement, even in terms yeah. of like really liking like public speaking and being able to engage that way. I think it came really down to knowing myself and knowing what I would be happy with when it came to like picking which kind of major I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I think you would probably be great as a, like working for the UN or NGO oh, or whatever. You. Yeah. Oh, fingers so. crossed. Hire me. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. No, it sounds like you're on it on the right track for that. That's awesome. Um, so what's next for the eco gal? What is next for the EcoCal? I think, I think definitely I want to keep like expanding in terms of the aspect of amplifying marginalized communities and social justice issues and showing people how those issues are related to sustainability and the climate crisis. I think right now that's one of the most important aspects for me. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of where I see EcoGal growing, I don't know. I think I would like to do a lot more writing. I think right now, EcoGal, I've kind of taken a back seat on like the blog and the articles more mm -hmm. so. And it's been more like, you know, carousel posts and other content. But I think in the near future, I definitely want to expand the website a little bit more, um, do more articles, maybe expand the team as well, because right now it's just me running yeah. it by myself, which can be a little bit exhausting <laughs> sometimes. Mm -hmm. So if it does continue to grow into a bigger platform, you know, maybe having writers, maybe having people who help me with content creation, um, I think that would be up next. But I think overall, I just want 
for it to keep being a platform that you know educates people that like inspires people to get started on like their journey and if they know how I wanted to continue to be a platform that's really inclusive whether that's with any identity whatsoever I want people to be able to see themselves in the movement so I think that is really something that I want to keep forward in the future with EcoGal. Awesome. <laughs> so what was one of the first things that you did when you were really thinking about sustainability? And cause you know, like for me, like one of the mm. first things I did was like get a water filter and like right. start using <laughs> a water, you know, a water bottle. What was like one of the first things that you did that you feel made it a big difference? Ooh, I think, I think the first big step I made was going vegetarian. I don't mm. think I did it for the right reasons, just because it didn't really start as like, I'm doing this for the planet, but it yeah. it, was, it was just a, honestly, it was silly because it was a bet of who could go the longest without eating meat, yes. and then I just never <laughs> ate meat again. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> but I think that was my first major shift. It was like the first month of my college journey. I was just like, you know what? We're studying sustainable development here. Let's just be vegetarian too. So I just kept mm. it going. I think that was the mm -hmm. first big, I don't necessarily want to call it a sacrifice, but that was the big lifestyle shift that yeah. I made towards like my real like beginning, beginning of sustainability. Um, other than that, you know, I got the water filter too. I got the metal straw. Um, mm -hmm. I think there weren't any like big, um, purchased like a like a straw or a water filter but I definitely say I became a lot more conscious of my waste I think was a mm -hmm. big thing I didn't really recycle much back home just because we didn't really have the facilities for it but definitely like making a conscious effort to like you know always recycle when I can or making a conscious effort like to only get as much food as I would eat and to like limit my food waste or like making yeah. like a lot of conscious decisions like that and like seeing a shift in like my mentality almost, I think was maybe the biggest, the biggest shift overall was just me being a lot more conscious as like a consumer also as like, I don't know, someone who eats food, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, I think that was definitely the start of my journey. Yeah. Going vegetarian is awesome. Yeah. What is one thing that you think anyone can do to be more sustainable? I think it's honestly just what I was just talking about in terms of like making those decisions whenever you can. I think a lot, a lot of the misconception around sustainability is that you have to like be vegetarian. You have to, you know, buy ethical fashion. You have to do all of those things. You need a metal straw, but it can literally be as simple as like, you know, deciding to like walk somewhere instead of taking an uber if it's really close or it can be mm -hmm. you know not buying the newest clothes when they come out if you don't really need to like i think the big thing about sustainability that i think anyone can do possibly regardless of their circumstances is just be that little bit more conscious of it whether that's like taking a shorter shower or something like that mm -hmm. i think even the fact that you're thinking about it and like you're aware of it is in and of itself helpful to the sustainability movement. So yeah, I think little things like that is what I would always recommend, especially for people who are just getting started out. Like I know when I first started EcoGal, I made a post where someone was like talking about like, 
you know, wanting to go vegetarian, but saying like they weren't ready to cut out like X, Y, and Z foods or whatever. But it's like, you can cut out everything else and just keep X, Y, and Z foods that you aren't ready to cut out yet. You know what I mean? I think there's like yeah. a misconception that it has to be like, go big or go home, like all or nothing. But, yeah. you know, sustainability is more about like, you know, helping the planet over like being perfect. Like you don't have to be perfect zero waste. You don't have to be perfect vegetarian. Like sometimes I still eat seafood. Like mm-hmm. I'm home in the Palmas. I mean, I, I, I have to, but, <laughs> right. but I think, yeah, I think expecting per- like perfection is one of the things that people like deters people away from sustainability. But even if you decide like, you know, once a week, you won't eat a meat like meal that has meat in it or like any little choice I think is just really helpful overall. So I think that would be my advice to anyone that's the same, like who wants to get started in sustainability. It's just not to like not put so much pressure on yourself because yeah. anything you do is still, you know, you still did it. You know what I mean? So. Exactly. Yeah. It's like little by little, see what changes you can make. It's not a race. It's a journey, exactly. you know, like things are always going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Lauren, last question. Um, Where can everyone find you on the internet? Sure. So you can find me. um, My personal account is Lauren A. Ritchie on Instagram. Um, You can find the eco gal at it's eco gal. Um, You can also find me at the eco gal.com, which is my blog where I have a couple of articles up and that's my main three, I think. That's all I got. Mostly Instagram. I don't really use my Twitter as much, but you can yeah. probably still find those somewhere on the internet. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lauren. Please of go course. follow her. She has the best content. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share it if you loved it and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram at Sustainable Brown Girl and check out our Facebook community. We would love to have you there. Until next time, let's continue to make healthy choices for the health of our planet and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.